Just a quick reminder, if you've been trying links that I've mentioned on any of these recent episodes of the show and they don't work, technology changes and some of the things we offer change. So what we've decided to do is put everything that's current over at photobizhelp.com forward slash links. And anything that isn't current probably won't work. So if you're having trouble with a link that doesn't work, that's probably why. Head on over to photobizhelp.com forward slash links. Or if you're following along at photobizhelp on Instagram, it's the link in the bio. This is the Photo Business Help Podcast, a resource for photographers of all levels from brand new to burnt out who believe that business growth starts with personal growth. I'm your host, Natalie Jennings. I created Jennings Photo back in 2010 and have been happily full-time since, but not without some mistakes along the way. Those lessons, plus what's really helped me thrive financially and personally, are what I want to share with you so you can grow with your photo business too. You'll also hear stories from other photographers and industry folks, as well as my favorite ways to be more mindful and happier on this journey. I am jumping in here to let you know that this week's episodes are replays, replays of shows that were wildly popular in the past and have some really great information for you. Before we dive into today's episode, here are a few words from folks that support Photo Business Help. I've heard from a lot of people that the hardest part about starting an email list is understanding why and how to do it. The tech behind workflows, drip sequences, and segments can feel overwhelming if you're new, but it's pretty easy once you're shown the ropes. So I am reintroducing Grow Your List, this time as a self-paced course that you can go through on your own. It's only about 30 minutes total of content. It's all transcribed. There's workbooks and other PDF resources for you, as well as welcome sequence templates for you to get started. So in this course, you'll learn all about emails. You'll learn what a lead magnet does, and we'll decide which kind of lead magnet is right for you. You'll create your first freebie. You'll understand what a welcome sequence is and how it's used and set up your first segment. You'll make some plans around where you're going to share this stuff to get more folks opting in, downloading your freebie, and getting on your list. So if you are one of those folks that's just been putting off starting your email list, check out Grow Your List. I have a special 2022 offer. It's $22. Go to photobizhelp.com forward slash list, L-I-S-T, to join the course, get started on your email list, and get organized in 2022. So for $22, go to photobizhelp.com forward slash list, get started growing your email list, creating your lead magnet, setting up your welcome sequences, and growing a relationship with your audience. You're listening to the Photo Business Help Podcast. My name is Natalie Jennings, and I am back with Jasmine of Let's Frolic Together today. If you listen to the last episode, we are doing a three-subject series on wedding photography for beginners. We sort of went over on part one. So this is sort of like part two of part one. We talked about gear. So if you didn't listen to that and you're interested in gear, head on back and check that episode out. 
Today, we're going to finish up with a conversation on lights and lighting equipment that we both use for weddings. If you'd like to hear a little bit more about Jasmine's background, you can also flip back to that episode. We're going to just dive right in today and get started. Hey, Jasmine, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Okay, so we covered cameras, we covered lenses, and we covered cards in our last chat. But I know lighting is kind of a big one. And I know especially for those of us, you and I included, who are predominantly natural light photographers, flashes and stands and all that kind of stuff gets super scary. So do you want to talk a little bit about when you use flash mostly at weddings and what you bring along to weddings and why? Absolutely. So I should say it took me a while to get into flash when I first started shooting weddings. As I said, in the last episode, I've been shooting weddings for a decade, which kind of feels like a long and crazy amount of time. (laughs) Yeah, totally. In that time, I can't remember exactly when it was when I got into flash, but it was a few years in. I was using flashes, but I hadn't really experimented with flashes prior to this. It was one of those situations where it was scary to think about. It felt like a lot. I was I didn't feel ready to handle. Like, how am I going to figure out all this crazy flash stuff? And I told myself, well... I'm more about natural light anyway, so should I really bother figuring it out? And truth be told, I kind of convinced myself that I was natural light, so I shouldn't worry about flash because that's not my style. I thought, oh, I've seen all those crazy flash photographers out there. That's not my style, so I don't need to invest and worry about it. So I think there's at a core place, the reason why I dug deep into flash is because I think it's incredibly worthwhile to be able to handle anything a wedding can throw at you. Weddings will throw all sorts of crazy stuff at people. And I'd like to stop there really quick because that point is something that I've taught in my coaching and my courses in the past that you're, you're getting paid a significant amount of money, especially if you're shooting lead or this is your intention to shoot lead. And I always let my students know that it's important, even if it's not your main style, just like you're saying, it's not your main style. It's important to be able to use the flash if you need to use it. So I think that that's something that even if it's just on camera to fill a room or something, but there's an important moment going on, I think starting there is is important when you shoot your first lead wedding. Would you agree with that? Definitely. I think you don't have to you don't have to be all the way. You don't have to be like a flash champion. because believe me, it takes a while to get there. It takes a lot of learning. And I, by no means, I'm saying that I personally am a flash champion, but I've really come a long way over the years. I've learned a lot. And above all else, I'm just really equipped for all different kinds of situations now that I used, that used to just scare me. I used to just sit in terror, hoping that I wouldn't have a bad light situation that I would have to figure out. And now I don't worry. Yeah, totally. That's and that's I mean, that's huge. It's awesome to be a wedding photographer and pretty much show up not being freaked out. And that goes away after your first couple of years. But um, what would you let's then kind of jump into what you're using and what would you recommend to someone that's getting ready to, to shoot lead and wants to be prepared and then maybe what they can kind of look into once they feel comfortable with that first step? So as you mentioned, on camera flash is a kind of a good baseline place to start when you have a separate flash unit on your camera as opposed to some cameras that are um, less pro level have like a little 
flash thing built into them. Um, you can't control that. That's you're very powerless with a flash that's built in. So once you progress to the um, pro level bodies where you can um, add a flash to it, you have a lot more power to control things like the angle that your flash is pointing, the direction it's going, is it pointed forward or backward or up? Even just starting with a basic flash on your camera is a good start where you start thinking about direction of light and you um, are able to experiment at a small scale. In situations where you can bounce that flash off of a ceiling or walls, that's fantastic. It gets a little trickier when you're, say, outside in a really poorly lit garden and you are unable to have that even that even steady light that you would have had in a ballroom that had a white ceiling. Starting with on-camera flash and experimenting with what direction you're pointing it in and the level of power you're using on it is just a good general place to start. But eventually, you're going to realize it doesn't cover all scenarios. And you, you're going to want to upgrade and improve upon that just to cover all your bases. Most people would say that the the ballroom dancing time of the night, and it's not always in a ballroom, is when wedding photographers use the most flash and extra off-camera light, If especially if you're a natural light photographer. And that's kind of what, what I started with. I had on-camera flash, and then I had a light stand that was triggered remotely that I'd set up during dances. Would you say that that's something that you've done before and that you'd recommend kind of as a next step for beginning wedding stuff? Oh, definitely. My first year, my first two years, I didn't even think about off-camera flash at all. So it can be done without. It just limits how you can capture a day. If you're on camera only, you're not going to be able to capture something amazing from afar. You're just not because your flash on your camera is just going to limit you. Whereas once you start progressing to off camera where you can set up a light stand and you can direct that light elsewhere and you can trigger it from far away wherever you are, at that point, you can light something directionally from wherever you are. You just have a lot more flexibility and freedom. And essentially you're controlling what the light situation is instead of just trying to roll with it as best as you can handle it. You, you can say, here's where I want light. And here's how much light I want there. Awesome. Awesome. That's um, that's great advice. And I think just if you're feeling overwhelmed listening to this and you're starting out, just starting with an on-camera flash is certainly sufficient. No, that was great advice. And I think if you're just starting out, a on-camera flash is more than sufficient if you're overwhelmed by the whole lighting thing. And you can certainly, hey, I, I shoot a lot of weddings without a light stand. I've kind of gone forwards and backwards with it. So even though I used it for years, I kind of went the other way again the last couple of years and I shoot with less light. But it's a, it's a matter of figuring figuring out sort of how to use the tool and then making up the rules, right? Exactly. And I think it's important also to keep in mind that just because I have a bag full of four light stands and four off-camera flashes and a whole bunch of flash modifiers and all this extra in-case gear, I don't always use it. Not every situation calls for it. I think some people feel that once they've progressed to that stage, they're supposed to become these hotshot lighting photographers where their photos look like Hollywood scenes all the time. And the truth is you can stay natural. You can stay true to how you shoot if that's not sort of light intensive. Those lights are there to help you to make things 
look how you want them to look instead of having to settle for something that doesn't look great. You can add your lights as needed. If the lighting is great, ambient as is, you don't have to add those lights. You don't have to do anything. So the idea is if you are going to be in a situation with difficult lighting, it'll help you in the long run to have some tools in your bag that will help you handle those things. Personally, the um, the other advice I like to give to people who are starting out in the lighting zone, because long term, yes, I do believe having off-camera flash skills where you can control multiple lights on multiple stands gives you the most versatility. However, in a jam, in a pinch, and in the early days before you feel comfortable handling that when you're already juggling all this other stuff during a wedding, I think having a continuous video light is a good basic fallback for anybody who doesn't feel ready to like manage the juggle of crazy lighting things because it is like this extra brain space that you do need for lighting planning. Having a continuous video light is a little bit like having an off-camera flash, except it's steady. So you don't have to understand the like math of what settings to set an off-camera flash to and dial it in just for when it pops. You have that continuous resource so that you can set it up how you want it. Keeping in mind that it may disrupt experiences a little more by adding a permanent steady light, but it can still help. And it'll be easier to predict what your settings should be and how you can adapt when you have like a steady light source helping you light something that's tricky. I think that's awesome advice. And I think a great place to use something like that is a place where people are expecting a little bit more light being manipulated, like family formals and maybe even a first dance. And and those are really great places to start with. You can set those up on a stand. You can have your second shooter hold it for you. There's a lot of different things you can do. But exactly. if you're... I'm, I, I still think that that's one of my favorite ways to shoot is to have a steady light source like that. But there's so many different ways to do it. And I'm glad that we covered a few. Getting started with on-camera flash is is really important. And I think just to know how to do it if you're going to shoot lead. Use your second shooting opportunities as ways to experiment with a lot of this stuff and ask your ask your lead photographer, you know, what they're doing and, and kind of pay attention to how they're doing it too, if you want to learn more about lighting. So, and as a second shooter, it's such a great opportunity to experiment. Your primary shooter probably can handle a lot of the things. Once you're both at the same reception, in a worst case scenario, they could probably handle things solo because you're not in two different places trying to manage two different things. So that's a really good opportunity for as a, as a second to start trying new things, experimenting with lights, trying to grow and practice because it's less risky at that point. I totally agree with you. I totally agree. I think that covers basics for wedding lighting. And I'm, I'm glad that we kind of took the time to dig into this. Jasmine, do you want to remind people again where they can find you on the internet? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I am at letsfrolictogether.com or at letsfrolictogether on Instagram or Facebook. And I'm always happy to chat about geeky wedding gear related things or general um, business photography related questions. It's, it's a lot when you first start out and it helps to have resources that are happy to answer questions and talk you through how they do things. Awesome. Thanks, Jasmine. We're going to be back Next episode and the one after, we're going to do part two of this three-part beginner wedding photography series. We're going to talk about preparation in the next session and how to prepare as a photographer and also how to prepare your client so that they know what to expect on shoot day or wedding day, rather. 
Thank you for tuning in. I will be back every Tuesday and Thursday with 10-ish minute episodes. Thank you for listening again. This was a replay. Head over to photobizhelp.com for links to all the stuff, or you can go to Instagram at photobizhelp and check out the link in the bio. I'll be back soon. A quick reminder, if you are still interested in growing your email list or starting one, head to photobizhelp.com forward slash list. Join the Grow Your List mini course for $22 in 2022 and get organized. That's photobizhelp.com forward slash list. I hope you have a beautiful day. Remember, in everything you want to achieve, consistency is key.